to down to down to yeah um, missed and peeved missed and peeved that's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad don't be missed and peeved miffed don't be miffed and peeved it's a real it's a real it's a real it's a real one I don't use it but it's your vocab down to down yes this is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Right. No. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are a part of CLNS Media. DailyThunder.com. We're also featured on Dash Radio Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 5 o'clock Central Time. I'd like to thank Grady Carter of Metro Brokers of Oklahoma for sponsoring today's show. Grady wants to be your homeboy. Homeboyok.com. Homeboyok on social media. Follow him. Communicate with him because he can help you get into the home of your dreams. Or if you're in a bind and you've got to sell your home in the Oklahoma City area, Grady Carter is your man. So please contact him. Uh, he's very knowledgeable. He's a GRI designee. He knows exactly how to buy or sell a home and knows the Oklahoma City area so well that he can get you into the home of your dreams. So please contact Grady. He's a fantastic person. He will be your friend after you're done with the home buying or selling process. So you're getting great deal on a home, also a friend. So contact him, homeboy okay. Emergency pod. Uh, you're going to hear Alex and I here in a minute, but we heard the news about Corey Brewer and had to record just a few minutes about him and to uh, talk about him. We've got uh, Corey Brewer's number one fan, Michele Barra, on the line. Yeah. Um, I, well, I, I, I don't know what to say. Like, um, <laughs> I, I don't even know where, where, where to start. Um, yeah, I I don't like Corey Brewer at all. Yeah, uh, but I I'm I hope from on one hand I hope it doesn't happen. On the other hand, I hope that if it happens, then <clears throat> Billy is some kind of wizard that can turn this uh, into a good thing. Because number wise, it is not a good thing. Yeah, the the, <laughs> the numbers aren't particularly kind to Corey Brewer. Uh, he's he's never really been a good player in his career. He's had good moments. Like he had good moments with the Rockets a few years ago. Um, but he hasn't been all that helpful. <clears throat> he's not a modern wing at all. Like he cannot shoot it. Um, he takes most of his shots at the rim and from the corners is where he typically, if he's going to shoot it, that's where it's going to be. He's a pretty decent slasher. Um, the defensive stats on him their synergy aren't terrible though right yeah i mean i i don't completely trust uh defensive metrics on synergy because they they don't count a lot of stuff that uh, for example they don't count when you switch on pick and rolls and stuff like that where mm -hmm. uh basically where all modern defense um uh rely on so um it, it's not a bad defensive uh, defensive player that for sure but there are numbers offensively that worries me that worry me a lot for example he is in the first percentile among all wings in terms of turnovers oh which is yeah he's number one like 17.1 uh, percent 
which is insanely high for a guy uh, in, in his role. Well, that's why uh, his, his nickname is the Drunken Dribbler. <laughs> yeah, that's fitting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and the second stat that worries me a lot is the fact that he's taking uh, 13% of his shot uh, from the corners, which yeah. seems to be a good thing. Uh, but so far, the results are abysmal because yeah. he's in the first percentile in corner three as well mm-hmm. at 17%. Oh, which my is, Lord. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not many attempts. So it's four uh, on 24, which is like a very, very small sample size. Right. But if you look at his career, he had like one year in his entire career where he was shooting a decent percentile. So it, it's not good. But on the other end, slashing, cutting, maybe they can work with it. Yeah. I mean, basically, the question... Is is he better than Terrence Ferguson? Because that's who he'd be replacing in the rotation, seemingly. Like who, who knows? Like maybe Billy will play Brewer and Alex or Brewer and Ferguson instead of Brinas. Like that wouldn't be super surprising to me. But um, I would guess that he would replace Ferguson in the rotation, and he may end up being a lot like the other Brewer that the Thunder got a few years ago, Ronnie Brewer, who showed up we thought okay well he can maybe come in and play some good defensive minutes and then he doesn't play at all you know um so i don't i don't know i also uh do want to mention this is that <clears throat> it looks like his head's put on backwards and me and my friend adam call him the backwards man <laughs> uh that's that's so funny <laughs> anyway i i i i hope as well that these turn i mean i i i think Brewer may be uh, a better player today than what uh, Terrence is. Yeah. Uh, but I'm when I see high uh, turnover ratio and no spacing, I worry that his impact on OKC may be worse than the one that Ferguson has. Uh, not that he is providing any spacing, but at least he is not dribbling the ball and turning it over at a very high rate, Mm -hmm. which is something that you really uh, want, especially if you have a uh, non-efficient offense. On the defensive end, I I don't really know. Uh, If he can provide uh, good minutes uh, defensively, then it it may be a a good thing. I I don't really know because, like in LA, they, they weren't playing the best defense I ever seen, so I I, I cannot judge. Uh, uh, yeah, the, the, I mean my my takeout is this one. Offensively, he would be abysmal. Uh, if he can provide defensively, then he is another man, uh, and he knows Houston, so maybe he can be effective against his old teammates. Yeah, he does run the break well. Um, yeah, and he could be a defensive player. And like, if you're looking for the things that he can do, that's it. Um, Otherwise, and and maybe the hope is that he, when he's playing for the Lakers, like maybe he turns the ball over a ton because they don't have anybody on the second unit to handle, you know. And so, if Paul, if he's playing with Paul George and he's playing with uh, Ray, then maybe he doesn't have to dribble at all, um, which is just wishful thinking. But we don't know if this is for sure happening. But I wanted to drop a little bit of information on him uh, since the news came out today. Uh, and now here is Alex and I uh, with we're talking about Carmelo Anthony. We're talking about uh, just the Thunder in general at this point in the season. So uh, talk to you guys soon. 
on the line, I've got my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up? <laughs> uh, the Thunder are currently 35 and 27. They sit at 7th uh, in the Western Conference Woo! behind the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah. Which did not seem like something that would be possible on February 28th. Uh, shout out to my brother, Ethan. Happy birthday, Ethan, February 28th. Um, but there they are, and they have what should be an easy schedule, uh, but it might be the hardest stretch for the Thunder because they play bad teams. You know, they get Dallas tonight uh, in Dallas, and they play in Phoenix on Friday night, and then back-to-back in Portland. Like, losing in Portland is something the Thunder do, even if they're not on a back-to-back, so I kind of expect a loss there, but they should at least win these next two, but... Like, how much confidence do you have that they'll win these next two games, Alex? Uh, little. I have a lot of confidence that if they do win, it'll be torturous <laughs> and that I'll be miserable the whole game. Right. <laughs> I'm so, I'm like low-key sick of this team, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> these, these games are so brutal. That Magic game was just like, Whatever that kind of game is, the Thunder have mastered it. And it is hard to watch (laughs) because I just get so angry at them the entire game. And then they win. And then I feel dumb for being angry. Right. Because it's like, well, they still won. Right. And I'm sure I'm sure they'll win these next couple games and it'll be really ugly until they get to Portland. And I'll want to like be really mad at them. But then they'll be on like a three game winning streak or whatever. And I'll have to just shut up. Yeah. I wish they would just be bad or just blow these teams out. Yeah, the, I, I keep like getting my hopes up. Like, all right, they're gonna have, they're gonna show up tonight. They're gonna have to do it. And you know, home at a, home, Orlando, Orlando is terrible. And it's like, oh, Evan Fournier like hits all the threes, and Jonathan Simmons is like am- amazing. Uh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what to do with this team either. I mean, my. Uh, my favorite part from the Orlando game, if you're listening to the telecast, was I think it was the very first Thunder possession in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And uh, Orlando had gone first and then they gave it to Mello. And, you know, he did his back down thing for like 15 seconds. Oh. And then it had turned around and he made it. And Michael Cage goes, Oh, I love that play. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and, and then he started talking about like he was doing an impersonation of Mello. He was like, hey, if you're not going to if you're not going to double me, I'm a 10 time all star. I'm a two time Olympian. And I was oh, thinking like, yeah, no. that's exactly what Mello is thinking. <laughs> like that. He's actually correct. Like, oh, no. That's probably why Mello takes all these shots. A lot of it's just habits that, you know, this team, when they, they think, oh, man, we're seventh in the West, I need to do what I know that I've done my whole career. And I don't even right. know if it's like a conscious effort to do it. Um, but I just feel that way. Like Russell, Russell has been so bad over the last few games, just shooting the ball. And Paul George has not been able to shoot since coming back from the All-Star break either. Uh, it's I mean, that's a problem. That's definitely a, a problem with this team. Like, if those guys will just play average, you know, the bench obviously played really well uh, on Monday night. But if they will just play average, like, they will blow out Dallas tonight. Um, 
but for whatever reason, like we're back to like November, December thunder where like we don't even, we're not able to hit shots and we keep having to like explain away these terrible shooting percentages. And it's just very strange. They're in just a strange place because you figured they'd come out with a lot of energy after the all-star break and you just see them just blow these teams out. But that's just definitely not happening. And I find myself teetering between like, you know what, maybe this is just who this team is. Like it's what they've been the majority of the season. And in the back of my head though, feeling like there's still enough talent on this team. And I I feel like there's just like a, a combination that needs to be unlocked for like this team to do, to be what they should be. Mm -hmm. And, and I just don't know if that's ever going to happen. Yeah. And, and I don't know if it's the inconsistent lineups that are a problem. I mean, it's, it's tough because we would complain about Scott Brooks because all he would do is play the same lineup. It was like clockwork. Um, and now Billy is like the exact opposite where, you know, he's described by Sam Presti as very curious and he <laughs> just tries all these lineups and he's playing Terrence Ferguson a ton. And then like he was like Terrence Ferguson was fine against Orlando. Like he played fine, but for the most part, like he's a harmful player to this team. Like he's, he's not helping at all. And Billy keeps playing him. You know, that he was asked about, you know, his net rating and how he's basically not helping this team. And what it comes down to is like Billy really likes him. And I think the front office really likes him and they're going to play him regardless. And, you know, if I told you, Alex, that Paul George and Melo plan to stay for the next three years, would it change your perspective on any of this stuff? <laughs> oh, man. If Melo was here for three years. <laughs> well, let's say Melo opts in. Obviously, he's going to opt in. Like right. break, Breaking news, everyone. Melo's opting into his contract next season. He's not taking a discount next season. He will be here. He will be paid $28 million. Just accept that. Um, but what if he comes oh. back the next year for like the mid-level? And yeah. Paul, Paul George signs a two-year two year deal, like a three plus or a two plus one with OKC. Just to see, like, let's see what, the, what, what we can do. I guess the thing is that like the, the most likely scenario is that Ferguson's not even like a a good player for like another three years. Yeah. I mean, he's still so young and he's so skinny and like the idea that he even be like good enough next year to earn these minutes. It's hard. It's hard to believe. Um, but I, you know, someone tweeted at me like, yeah, but I don't want to what happened to Josh happened to Terrence. And like, I, I get that. Here's where I don't get it. Why? Because Josh was 25 last year. Yeah. And not nineteen. Yeah, that's that's, true. that's where I'm like, okay, like it's it's put up or shut up with Josh Eustace because he's he's putting up, he's putting up now. But listen, <laughs> he's got they they have to know with him with Terrence, like you've got plenty of time, you've right? Got plenty of time with him. If Josh Eustace can't show that he's an NBA player at the age of 25, he's not an NBA player. If and we can have these same questions with Terrence for the next three years and still not know. But when you're 25 years old and you can't or you can or you can't perform like that says something when you're 19, it doesn't say a whole lot. 
And so that's, that's to me, that's the major difference. And also Josh played in the D league for an entire year before he came right. to the thunder. I mean, the situation is just so different. It's more comparable to like a Jeremy lamb type of situation where Jeremy lamb sits on the bench for Scott Brooks. They don't play him. Um, then it is Josh because Josh is, he's, he was old when he was drafted and he had an extra year before he even joined the thunder then he like basically like redshirted a year with the Thunder, which makes no sense to redshirt in the NBA, but that's what it felt like. And now like he's been okay this season. The lineup that actually says a lot of good things about him. We'll talk more about that um, in, in the third part of this show. But you know, it's the the Terrence stuff. Still, I'm I'm not buying it. Like I'm not buying that this is helpful to him or to the Thunder this season. And the the numbers just don't lie about it at all. And and I think that, you know, if this team could just beat these bad teams, we really wouldn't be talking about it. Because if you look back through Terrence Ferguson's game log, when they're playing the best teams in the league, like Billy isn't playing them. Yeah. Like, yeah, Minnes- exactly. Minnesota, yeah. he played two minutes, 40 seconds. San Antonio didn't play. Utah didn't play. Golden, Golden or State. Houston didn't play. Golden State, he didn't play more than five minutes both times. Mm-hmm. At Denver, he played four minutes. So, like, it's obvious that when we get to the playoffs, Billy probably won't be playing him much at all except for garbage time. Yeah. So, you know, like, what he's doing with these other teams would make sense if every single game against these bad teams wasn't a nail-biter. Yeah. But because they are a nail-biter, it's terrifying because you look at the standings and we're, you know, right on the edge. Yeah, and you know Russell is going to be better. In the, but in these three games post All Star break, he's been abysmal. Here's some of his stats: twenty six percent from the field in these three games, sixteen percent mm. from three. He's and he has a a, a true shooting percentage of forty percent. And a wait, wait, what, what's he shooting from the line? Eighty eight. Oh, okay. Which is uh, good. <laughs> That's the only good thing about this. I, th- I thought there. I thought there was a chance his uh, stats didn't add up to a hundred. Yeah, no. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh usage 28%. If you're doing if you're shooting 26% and you have a usage of 28, like that's that's not helpful. Offensive rating of 83, defensive rating of 106. He's a minus 10.1 for the Thunder on when he's on the court. Um post All-Star break. And it's an extremely small sample size. Don't think this is going to continue. Obviously, he's not going to shoot like this, but there's a reason why, you know, Orlando looks so you know Sacramento, Golden State, Orlando, and a lot of that is Golden State. Like Golden State just put it on him, and the numbers are just going to look bad. But he didn't play well against Orlando or Sacramento, and so. And how much of this do you chalk up to the is an injury? I see some people saying that. What injury? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Apparently, like hurt his ankle or something. Oh, the ankle injury. Oh, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe like ten percent of it. I just think all the NBA players go through slumps, especially guys who aren't like pure shooters. You know, Russell is going to go through periods where he's not, where he's not very good at shooting the basketball, but I think that he'll, he'll, he will bounce back. I don't know when it will be, but the Thunder need him to do it quickly. Um, because I definitely, they, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, like I definitely have been seeing more defensive lowlights of Russell lately. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. been some some good mixes out there. Oh man, yeah, he's <laughs> he's hanging out in the paint. Oh, I need to check this. Um, 
because he we talked about how uh, talked about him averaging a triple double, um, and post All Star break, he's had thirty nine total rebounds since the All Star break in three games. Mm-hmm. Like he's going for it. <laughs> if you didn't know, Russell Westbrook wants to average a triple double, and. Kevin O'Connor is about to tell us about how much it doesn't matter while he's praising LeBron James for averaging a triple-double this past month. And it's going to make me pull each one of my hairs out individually. Well, they have to keep winning. If there was a scenario where this team missed the playoffs and Russell got a triple-double... Oh my goodness. Can you imagine? I mean, missing the playoffs would be bad enough... I'm like morbidly curious just to see how that would be covered nationally and locally. But if if that happened with the triple double, (laughs) I would just have to, I'd probably log off of the internet. (laughs) I'd just go off the grid. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. (laughs) And this is an important week for the thunder and that they can make up some ground. There's still only two games back of the three seed. Um, but they're one and a half games or like two games back of being out just completely. And so they've, they've got to make up some ground here. They've got to get some wins. They can't rely on other teams losing for their seating. You know, like the Pelicans right now are not losing. Uh, the Clippers right now are not losing. Denver's lost two in a row, but they've still won seven out of the last 10. You know, these teams, everyone's fighting for this spot. Um, San Antonio has fallen off a little bit. They're four out of their last six. Like they have an opportunity here. Jimmy Butler's hurt. Like you have an opportunity here and it's just frustrating to see that they're, it doesn't seem like they're seizing that opportunity because it maybe they'll turn around tonight and it will look like that. But as of today, it doesn't look like they're seizing that opportunity because the three seeds wide open. Like it's up for grabs. I mean, right. I could see the Pelicans even being there. I could see Oklahoma city being there, the Blazers, San Antonio, could still get there. Minnesota could stay there. Like there's so many possibilities. Um, and I think that the, I think the thunder are the best team of all those teams with Minnesota missing Butler and San Antonio missing Kawhi. I think they are, and they should be, but, and this has been an ongoing thing. And the frustration with this team is that they have the roster for it, but they just don't play that way. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to know as well because like we were talking about with Ferguson, like he, he's not playing against like the best teams in the league. And yeah. so we, we're not getting to see like the playoff rotation that much. Like I, I, I just don't, I know it's going to look better in the playoffs. Like I know it will in my heart, but we just have to make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Please. We got to get there first. And this may all be for not the thunder may end up with the three seed and be in really good shape heading into the postseason, God, I would, I would be so mad at this team. <laughs> if put they us put through us this. through all this and just end up the three seed. I know it would be, it would be insane. And just rude, just rude at this point. <laughs> just inconsiderate of them to do this to us. Uh, a couple, uh, overarching stats before we go into this week in thunder history, the thunder are 12th in offense at a one Oh six point nine. They are eighth in defense, uh, which is doesn't seem right still. Um, 104.3 net rating, seventh in the NBA overall. Uh, I mean, if, if you kind of 
dig in a little bit or you put them under the microscope over the last like 15 games uh it doesn't look as good they're i'm having to scroll a lot 20th in net rating over the past 15 games like they've just got to be better and they've had good stretches this season um but they have not been good lately and they they just have to be better and they can be there's the lineup data says that there are lineups that do work um but they've got to play those lineups and there's a lot of them. It's not like there's only like two lineups at work. There are several of them. Uh, but for whatever reason, Billy likes to stick with stuff that, that doesn't work in the regular season. And I don't know if he, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't think Billy's a bad coach. I really don't. And I put stats out there and people, I don't know if people think that I'm trying to kill Billy Donovan or what <laughs> literally trying to murder Billy Donovan. <laughs> I don't think, but people end up just like my mentions just end up being like, yeah, Billy sucks. It's like, yeah, I don't really think he does. Like, I think he is a good coach and I would kind of like to know more behind the scenes. Like what's, what are our thoughts here? Like on Terrence Ferguson and he, Billy's talked about him. He just, I just think he likes him. And I think the front office thinks he's going to be a big piece going forward and a controllable contract. He'll be cheap for a long time. And I think that they want to see if they can get some value out of that. And I, I understand that. But when you're in a playoff race like this, like let's wait till summer league to figure out <laughs> the value of this dude. Let's wait till next season. Let's, yeah. let's, I mean, I think it would mean a lot more to this team to get to the three seed than to give Terrence Ferguson an extra 200 minutes for the rest of the season. Like, I just yeah. don't, uh, that's where I'm like, I don't, that's where I don't get it because you play Terrence Ferguson 200 more minutes a season. You may be looking at the six or seven seed versus the three seed. And all the numbers say that there's a clear difference between these two. So did you, uh, did you listen to that dunked on? The, I did. Okay. Yeah. I, th- I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, it was brought up by at Drew J Taylor. Um, I forget the name. Do you remember the name of the guy that was on? Oh, um, let me see if I can find it real quick. He was talking about Dylan why Murphy. Dylan Murphy. He yeah. was talking about why OKC matches up uh, so well with Golden State. Yeah. Um, and I thought the most interesting point he made was about their offensive rebounding. How, like, obviously, Steven Adams is a great offensive rebounder, but because OKC kind of has this mindset where anyone can go for an offensive rebound, it draws in all of these Golden State offensive players to the basket, and it really cuts down on their transition game because they have to engage in the process of rebounding, Mm -hmm. um, which I thought was a really interesting point. And so basically they get golden state in a lot more half court sets than like an average team would, who isn't going for offensive rebounding that hard. Yeah. And you know, I, Dylan Murphy always, I like it when he's on because he always has more of a positive take on the thunder or Russell Westbrook (laughs) or people like that, because like Nate, Nate just doesn't like Nate does not have a positive thought about this team. He tends to focus on, you know, how terrible Carmelo Anthony is or, you know, the shot selection of whoever, like he just, that's just where he leans. And he always has always leaned that way. If you don't play like golden state, if you don't run your team, like golden state, if you don't have the players that golden state has, then he's going to trash your team. And that's just kind of how it is. But Dylan Murphy comes on and he, 
talk, you can hear a positive spin on how the Thunder played in, in Golden State. Um, he thought their defense was good. I thought, here's what I thought. Nate thought it was bad. Dylan thought it was good. I thought it was good in spots and bad in spots. You know, I thought that it wasn't super consistent throughout the game. And then I also thought, I mean, you just, if you don't hit shots, if you have an inability to make shots in a game, you can't win basketball game. Like that's how you win games is <laughs> make shots. And the Thunder just couldn't make anything. Um, so, but yeah, I thought, I thought that was good stuff. Yeah. I'd like to thank the press for sponsoring today's show. Go to the press. It's down in the Plaza district. Look at it near downtown Oklahoma city. It's just a fantastic restaurant. It's a great place to go sit at the bar and watch a game. They've got a great beer and cocktail selection. It's also a place that you can go for lunch. They've got a great lunch. They've got really good chicken strips, a great burger. If you um, are vegan and you need a veggie burger, their veggie burger is so, so good. You can also get things like an Indian taco, their chicken fried ribeye, which is like a chicken fried steak, but like a really incredible chicken fried steak. It comes with mashed potatoes, country gravy, and green beans. It is unbelievable. You've got to go try this. Go there for lunch. you got a great brunch, and then they're open late as well. So go eat at the press downtown Oklahoma city and support the people that support down to dunk eat at the press. Um, all right. Are you ready for this week in thunder history? Let's do it. Um, well, we've been talking about, uh, you know, trying to build some type of a winning streak this week, you know, playing some bad teams. Well, what if I told you, Andrew, that this is the, uh, let me think about this. This is the eight year, eight year, Nine-year. Nine-year anniversary of the Thunder's very first winning streak. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mainly chose this because the game that they won to have their first winning streak sounded like the most disgusting game I've ever heard. So this was by John Rohde. This was back in 2009. This was called a Thunder First, a real streak. (laughs) It took 61 games, but the Oklahoma City Thunder finally has itself a winning streak. In big-time sports vernacular, two straight victories do not a winning streak make. Thunder Television play-by-play Brian Davis calls two straight wins a nice little run. The Thunder finally hit the trifecta with an 88-83 victory Wednesday night over the Washington Wizards inside the Ford Center. With starters Gilbert Arenas, Karan Butler, Deshaun Stevenson, Brendan Haywood, Kevin Durant, Jeff Green, and Desmond Mason all out with injuries, <laughs> this oh, one was a gosh. bit of an eyesore. <laughs> a bit. Uh, while the Thunder started little-known Kyle Weaver and Tabo Cephalosha, the Wizards countered with Andre Blatch, Darius Sangalia, and Dominic McGuire. Oh, man, those are some names. <laughs> Nanad Kristic was the top scorer with 18 points. Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm just glad they squeaked that one out because that was their only uh, three-game <laughs> three winning streak that entire year. <laughs> and it sounds like they did it in disgusting fashion. <laughs> oh, man. You know, that makes me think that be glad. Like, this team is frustrating, but be glad that we're not a tanking team right now. Because those, there are, there's just going to be awful basketball for like two months, basically, or a month and a half. Just awful, awful basketball. And I saw that the NBA just sent out like a memo that like 
tanking, obvious tanking efforts would be swiftly punished. But if you're one of these teams, like you have to, like this is, this is the year to do it. Yeah. Swiftly punish me, but I'll still have the best chance to get the number one pick. Like who cares? Like, what are you going to do? You're going to, here's what I'll do. I will pay, you know, half a million dollars to have a better chance to to win the lottery. Like that's, I think the teams could, they could justify that. And it's not only the odds, like this draft class seems like equal to last year's in terms of hype. Yeah. At least the top like seven or eight guys, like if you can get in there, you're going to get a guy that has a ton of potential. It's not, it's definitely from what I hear and I haven't, haven't done like a deep dive into it or anything, but from what I hear, it's not as deep as last year's was. Like, I don't think they're going to, you're going to find a ton of second round guys and late first round guys that are going to be impact players like we have in this past class. But yeah, the top of the class is supposed to be great. Um, okay. So let's, so I wanted to pose the question about basically Carmelo Anthony, Patrick Patterson, Jeremy Grant, Mm. like where, like where should these power forward minutes go? And, and I know that most of them are going to go to mellow, whether we like it or not, but if like we had the choice, where, where would they go? Like who would they go to? Hey, before you get into that, what do you think, has the mellow trade reached the status of like a, a quality thunder? What if, cause I'm, cause can you imagine what, what it would be like, like in this alternative universe where, uh, mellow had actually gone to Houston? Yeah. Like I, I, I can't, what do you think they w- would have happened with that? Cause he would, I mean, he would have been taking the same amount of shots. I think you would have been. I think you would be fine in Houston. Yeah, because like he's just replacing Ryan Anderson, right? I think you'd just, be fine. I've just been thinking about that. What if a lot? <laughs> and like it would be a lot better for the Thunder. Is that what you're thinking? Yes. I mean, here I I get it, and it's they would probably have a better record without Mello at this point. But your ceiling is still lower without him. Like you still, you still cannot play Canner in very many lineups come playoff time. Right. But you cannot play Doug McDermott against Golden State. You cannot play Doug McDermott against Houston. So, like, you're still your ceiling is still much lower. You still can't put your five best players in the court. I think that you still have to do it, even if it lowers your win total and you know. I think if they had those other two guys, they would probably have the three seed almost locked up by now. And, you know, they may get there anyways. I mean, it's still possible. Um, but your ceiling's higher once you get to the playoffs. And I just, I don't think that we're there. I'm not, I'm definitely not there yet. I think a lot of it depends on what happens in the postseason and how does Mello operate. Like if they play Houston, uh, one of Fred, Fred Katz's uh, fears is that, they're going to put James Harden on Carmelo Anthony and Melo's going to be calling for the ball in the post like 12 <laughs> times a game. And if something like that happens, then yeah, we're kind of screwed. But if he can remain disciplined and be spot up Melo and let Russell run the show and Paul George run the show, and give Steven Adams more touches, then which is something that could happen. They're going to play better lineups. They're going to cut out all this, 
you know, Terrence Ferguson with the starters crap that's killing this team. And, you know, who knows? We've seen, we've seen this team. That's what's frustrating about this team is that we've seen them be incredible. And they have, they do have a high potential. So I'm not, I'm not ready to go there with the mellow trade just because, like, the alternative is probably a better regular season product, but definitely not a better playoff product because they couldn't even play Kanter last year when they needed him. Right. So, uh, so I wanted to look at some data. Obviously, if you follow me on Twitter or listen to this podcast before, you know that I don't like the minutes Terrence Ferguson gets. According to Cleaning the Glass, he's a minus 9.9 with Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, and Steven Adams, which is just maybe one of the greatest accomplishments ever. And it's not <laughs> in a ton, It's in 436 possessions. So it's not nothing. Uh, that same lineup, if you just put Abrinas in for Ferguson... You keep Melo at the four. It's a plus 8.1 on the season. 381 possessions. And then if you put Josh in there, they're a plus 14.7 on 245 possessions. It's like they have two good options right there. Like there's two. You put Jeremy Grant in there with the starters. That includes Melo. They're a minus 2.4, which is not great. And then if you put Felton in there as like a two-guard secondary ball handler, they're still a plus 3.4. So you've got three options, basically, with the starters that have worked this season. And these are all, cleaning the glass cuts out all garbage time. And so like these are meaningful minutes that have happened, meaningful possessions. And they've, they have something that works. And so the, you know, the Jeremy Grant with those guys doesn't work. But something that has worked, and it's only been 90 possessions, so it's not a large sample size or anything like that. But if you have a Brinus and Grant in there with Paul George, Russ, and Adams, they're a plus 31.8. With an uh, opponent's mm. points per possession, or points per 100 possessions, is 87. And then their points per 100 possessions is 118. And I just wonder if we should see that a little bit more because you have shooting out there with Paul George and Abrinas. You got a pretty versatile guy in Jeremy Grant. You still have Steven Adams out there. Like that seems to work. And so yeah, that's, that's strange that we haven't seen that more. When you said that lineup, it sounds like, you know, just like a normal lineup they would run. Yeah. You know, in the, in the third or the second, but huh. yeah, I, I think it's interesting, but I, some people, say that if we just limited Melo's minutes that we would get better results period I'm just I'm not really one to completely buy into that like the idea of Patrick Patterson taking all those minutes makes sense to me but if you break it down like the the numbers over the season are pretty similar between the two I think with Patrick Patterson out there at the four with every lineup Altogether, plus 7.5 with Mello, uh, it's a plus 6.9. And so it's it's really close. Uh, I would have thought yeah. that it would be a little bit... I thought that Patterson may have been a little bit better, just and also because he's had you know more limited minutes and all that stuff. But, you know... I don't. I don't think Melo is a is a terrible option. Um, I think he's he's an easy scapegoat for things that go wrong this season. Yeah, and I think that if you're making an argument for Patterson, it starts with the fact that he was injured earlier in the year, and that that may have sure. negatively affected all of these numbers that we're looking at now. Yeah. Um, and and the thing for me with Patterson is that he just doesn't get 
the minutes with the best players on this team um, mm-hmm. that other guys get. I was looking at um, three-man lineups. And so I was looking at any lineup where Patterson played with one of the top four guys. I was very kind and threw Mello in there. Okay. <laughs> and so the most played three-man lineup featuring Patterson and two of those guys had played 192 minutes. And in comparison, Jeremy Grant has five of those types of lineups that have played more than 250 minutes together. Oh, wow. So, like, you know, guys like Jeremy Grant, I totally get it. This isn't a knock on Jeremy Grant, but he's just getting a lot more time with the best players on this team. No question. Um, And and you would think that that is where Patterson would be best utilized because he is such a low usage guy. He he might shine more playing more with Russell Westbrook and Paul George. Um, but he just hasn't gotten those minutes. Yeah. So the possessions are not here for, for this data, but here's what we have with Russ, Paul George, Jeremy Grant, Patterson and Adams, which is like a huge athletic lineup. There are plus 31.6. It's only 17 possessions. And then it's 17 possessions for this next lineup too. And it's, uh, instead of Jeremy Grant, you have Josh Hustis. So Russ, Paul George, Hustis, Patterson, and Adams. I don't know if you're ready for this number. <laughs> well, let's take a break. Let's go to take a quick commercial break. <laughs> no, they're a plus sixty-two point seven in, in, se- in seventeen possessions. It's like nothing. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but during that time, they held their opponent to sixty-six point seven points per one hundred possessions, and they scored one hundred twenty-nine point four. Yeah, and and these lineups, like you said, like they're not a ton of possessions. But you know, if someone were to describe you as curious, you know, you <laughs> might want to might want to investigate them further. Yeah, exactly. It's weird because going into the season, I thought, you know, who Billy's going to love? It's Patrick Patterson. Like Billy is just going to love him, and he's going to play him so much. He hates him. He hates him. I don't know if he hates him. I just think he loves Jeremy Grant more. Yeah, he really. Does. I mean, he loves his Jeremy- versatility. Yeah, and Jeremy Grant uh, is more obviously doing things <laughs> like when you watch him play, yeah, like yeah, yeah, you yeah. notice him. Yeah. Whereas like Patterson can kind of like fade away and then you'll see him make a really nice touch pass and be like, oh, Patterson's on the court. Yeah. So maybe it's that. Maybe it's just easier to notice Jeremy Grant. I'm going to run some Jeremy Grant numbers real quick and kind of look, try to look at the same thing that we did with Patterson just now. Because, oh, okay. Uh, so this is a good lineup, and it's it's the one that we had mentioned before. There are plus 31.8 in 90 possessions, and it's Russ, Abrinas, George, Grant, and Adams. So we'd already talked about that. That's great. If you sub in Felton for Abrinas, it's amazing. They're a minus 31.1. Oh, wow. But it's only 20, right. only 23 possessions. Oh, okay, okay. And then, oh, woof. Russell, Paul George, Hustis, Grant, Adams. And so we talked about that same lineup, but with Patrick Patterson, and it was incredible. Well, this one is not. It is only 19 possessions, but minus 115.8. They can't score. eighty In those 19 possessions, they were scoring 84 points per 100 possessions. And it says that I don't, I got to figure out who this was against. Because it says that their opponent scored 200 points per 100 possessions. <laughs> <laughs> they just got whatever they wanted. And that doesn't exactly make sense. And that was obvious. It may have been 
a Golden State lineup, or I'm not sure who that was against. Um, there's no context within that, so I'm not going to, we shouldn't give a whole lot to that. But the fact is that the numbers like Patterson a lot, and they have consistently not like Jeremy Grant. Um, and Jeremy Grant passes the eye test in a lot of ways because he just tries hard and he finishes at the rim and he dunks really hard and he blocks shots. Um, but Patrick Patterson deserves a, a bigger chance. I think that Mello is, he's going to have his minutes and I don't think that he's as harmful to this team as many people say that he is. Uh, if he can get back into his role that he has quote unquote accepted, then I think like you've got a good Carmelo Anthony to me, like the bigger issues is when we try to play Jeremy Grant at power forward next to Steven Adams is for the most part, it doesn't work. And Patterson, it does work when you, when Patterson and Adams play together, it's effective defensively. You have spacing on the offensive end. And, you know, a lot of people say that he's been disappointing the season or whatever to me, like he, and a lot like a Brinus, like they just haven't gotten the opportunity that they deserve in my opinion. And they both started the season hurt, but now they're both healthy and they need to have consistent opportunities. And one of my frustrations with the Terrence Ferguson minutes is that we have a clear replacement for him. There's a clear guy that should be playing more than him and it's a Brinus. And then Patterson should be getting some of those minutes too. I got that's, that's where my frustration comes in with all of this is that we've, We've got guys there. Like you have Josh, you have Abrinas, like you don't need to play Terrence. And they just need to find ways to carve out minutes for Patterson because I just think he helps. During that run that they had that basically won them the game uh, against Orlando, uh, Patterson was all over there. He was playing great defense. He really encourages ball movement. He's a great touch passer. He just moves the ball. And when the ball moves, your team is typically better. And so that's those are the reasons why I think that he should be able to play more. And I'm not, not necessarily at the expense of Melo, but if he could take five minutes from Melo, um, we may get a better Carmelo Anthony, a more fresh Carmelo Anthony down the stretch. And you may have a Patrick Patterson that's more ready to play come playoff time. When you were going through these lineups, was there any like evidence that any of these guys could be played in like small ball lineups at the five? Small ball five? Yeah. Um, let me check. Let me take Steven Adams out. That's great. So I feel like Grant has mainly been the the main guy who's gotten those minutes, but I just didn't know if Patterson or even Mello have been played at the five at all. Uh, Patterson at the five uh, with Jeremy Grant. Uh, <laughs> well, that already sounds like it's going to be bad. Oh, it's bad. Uh, there's only one positive lineup there. It's uh, there are minus 30 with Grant, Houston, George, and Felton. There are minus five with Grant, Houston, Ferguson, and Felton. There are minus 22 with Grant, Paul, George, Abrinas, and Felton. Yeah, hmm. that's not great. Uh, yeah. Jeremy Grant, however, Jeremy Grant uh, with Mello at the four, Paul George, Abrinas, and Westbrook is a plus 32.9 in 49 possessions. So it's an, a small sample, but um, that looks good. And then the one lineup that works with, and this is really interesting, 62 possessions they've played with this lineup. But if you have Patterson, Mello, 
Jeremy Grant, Abrinas, and Felton, which is a mellow with the bench lineup, plus 21. Yeah, those mellow with the bench lineups. I mean, I, I remember early in the season, we were all kind of confused by those because all the Paul George bench lineups were terrible. Yeah. But then there were these what looked like ugly mellow lineups that were actually performing well. I, I'm just trying to figure out other ways. Cause like when you say cut five minutes from mellow, like, I, I mean, he's at his lowest minutes of his career currently at like 32 or whatever. Yeah. I, I'm just trying to figure out if there's other ways we can get Patterson on the court. Uh, to me, they need more minutes with Patterson and Adams. Yeah. Like I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the Patterson and Jeremy Grant. Like it just hadn't, it's mostly not worked this season um, because neither of them are really a center and both of them like are not great rim defenders. You know, I know Jeremy Grant can block shots, but he's not the greatest rim defender and Patterson doesn't really have the strength to be close to the rim like that. Um, And so if you can put him next to Adams, I think they just need to find ways to get him, with Steven Adams. So yeah, there's one, two, three, four, five, six lineups that they played with Patterson and Adams together. And only one of them is a negative. Hmm. And so with like Russell, um, with Russell and Adams and Patterson on the floor, there's only one negative lineup and it involved Andre Robertson. And so it was Russ Robertson, Paul George, Patrick Patterson, and Steven Adams, which would have been like the original starting lineup. Right. It was a minus 36.4. Yeah. I think those are just, that's when we had bad Patrick Patterson. Right. But if you put Hustis in there for Robertson and it's only 17 possessions, like we just don't have enough data really to say that this is good, but they're like a plus 62. Like it, it worked in whatever game that was and whatever 17 possessions that was, it worked. And what I mean, all these other lineups they work, and it has a ton of different guys in it: Felton and Hustis and Paul George, uh, Jeremy Grant. All these guys, um, they're mixing and matching, but they're all working with Adams and Patterson playing next to each other. And then if you sub in Mello for Adams, and you keep it's Russell. Basically, if you're keeping Russell, Mello, and Stephen Adams on the court, there's a lot more combinations. But there's one, two, three. There's only three negative lineups there, too. Um, and there's some really, really solid lineups with Mello, too. So like, I just feel like those two at the four work. Uh, and when you play Jeremy Grant at the four, there, it's a, it's way more hit, and, hit or miss with Grant there. And so like right. to, to me, I'd love it if Jeremy Grant was just like the primary backup center, like, and that's it. And then you try to give... Patterson more of the backup four minutes and then if like you really really need a wing out there you can throw Jeremy Grant as like your like I really need a wing lineup um so and and also like we're like tomorrow's March 1st and the Thunder are still waiting to see if someone's bought out between now and then they have to be bought out by midnight before midnight tomorrow night and if somebody's you know off the ball is bought out, then the Thunder uh, will probably try to sign them. Uh, but to me, like they're gonna, they're probably gonna just bring in Tony Allen. And I think, 
and I said this on Monday, I think that just bringing him in and giving him minutes and not giving Terrence Ferguson minutes will probably help this team just because you have a guy that knows what he's doing, knows where to be. Can he do a whole lot anymore? I have no idea. And I'm not going to, I can't say one way or another that he is going to help one way or another. Um, but I do know that he's not going to come in and give us just abysmal minus 9.9 minutes with a starting lineup. I just think that he's going to come in. He's going to be able to know where to be. He's going to be able to help the defense function a little bit better. Um, offensively, you'll be a nothing, maybe a negative, but um, just to have some like five to 10 quality minutes there you can throw somebody out there i think is much needed for this team and you wonder if he could have like a perk effect on the locker room um just because he is so respected in the league yeah for so long and you know that he's not gonna like give half effort yeah yeah and i think yeah i agree yeah he'll be he'll be helpful to the locker room he'll be helpful for the defense and and if he can still go like last year and this is a probably 80 percent reputation but i think he was second team all defense last year and his defensive rpm like he was one of the top shooting guards still last season and so like we're not that far removed from him being a helpful player um i don't know and it's hard to say the situation in new orleans was is weird and it was really strange to start the season and he's been hurt and you know if he's healthy then you may have a actual contributor to this team and if you play houston you know i don't really trust any any of the guys we have on this roster now to defend james harden and i'm not saying you play him 30 minutes or even 20 minutes a night but if you can bring him in for 15 minutes and he can hassle james harden then you know it's obviously well worth the signing and I think one thing in his favor is you look back on his career, he's never really been on a team that shoots, a t- that's, uh, has a bunch of good shooters surrounding him. Um, I mean, I mean, those Pelicans teams were <laughs> like held oh, together man. with scotch tape. Yeah. And then obviously the Memphis teams were famous for, for their non three point shooting. Yeah. Um, so who knows? It, there's something that we might be able to unlock. Just, you know, he might not be as much of a detriment as he had started to become in the past, just because there's more shooting around him. Yeah. And to me, it's, it's all about his health. And if he can, if he's healthy, if he is completely healed and ready to go, I mean, we know that he's a guy that's going to work hard. Um, and maybe he, like at the, at the bare minimum, I think that he'd be a good influence for the young guys, even though he's kind of a crazy person. Um, I think like work ethic wise, he would be really good for those guys. Uh, Alex, anything else before we go? No, that was it. Thanks for all the stats. So many stats. Thank you guys for (laughs) listening to our podcast. Follow Alex on Twitter at Al Baby Cakes. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. Follow us on Twitter at Down to Dunk. Continue to leave five-star iTunes reviews. You guys are awesome. You guys have been continuing to do that. That means a lot to us. So if you haven't done that and you listen, uh, just take a few minutes out of your day, maybe your lunch break, um, maybe before you go home or something like that. Just leave us a little review. That would be fantastic. Uh, please support the people that support us. Go eat at the press. You can go watch the game at the press tonight. Go sit at the bar, get some good food, uh, and call Grady Carter, uh, homeboy okay, if you have home buying or selling needs. And we'll talk to you guys again on Friday. 